because I had people would, who would come in on December 31st and say, hi, we want to go to Balthasar. And I'd be like thinking in my brain, are you crazy? But I would be able to say, I'd say, okay, you're going to go to Balthasar at eight o'clock. Really? You're the, the best. Yes, but you have to be Mr. White. <laughs> you know? Welcome to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast, where experienced expert New York City real estate brokers, John Gastaska and Jonathan Conlon, break down what's happening in the market, what you need to know, whether you're a buyer, seller, or agent, and their insight into the future with a little bit of fun along the way. In this episode, John and Jonathan are explaining everything you need to know about Soho. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. How are you, John? I am I am so good today because I got my partner back. I was lonely. <laughs> you know, I actually said to the audience last week, I said, hi, everybody. I bet you're wondering, where's Jonathan? I'm wondering the same thing. He happens to be on vacation. So it's good to have I you just, back. I just fell off the face of the planet. I just stopped answering your phone calls. How actually, was your I, vacation? I have to commend you. You didn't call me once. And I was a, a little bit surprised, but uh, I mean, I did talk to the guys here and there, but I talked to Daniel. Did you times. really? Yeah. I interrupted yeah. them strictly. Do not disturb him. No, I called them um, just because, you know, listen, it, it's a, a blessing wait, wait and a, a curse in our wait business. Wait a minute. What are you going to Wait a minute. Back up, back up a minute. I, I, I'm not quite understanding all of this. You called the guys and you did not call me? Because I didn't want to bother you. And I know that you were probably going a little bit nuts because we both go a little bit nuts when the other one's away. It was best that you didn't call me because you interjected on a couple of emails and I slapped your heads for it. (laughs) I did. I said, stop emailing. to these people. Don't respond to these emails. You're causing separate (laughs) crazy work. Well, I'm happy to be back. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about another neighborhood, uh, a little neighborhood, but a fun neighborhood. Uh, which would be Soho, uh, known as South of Houston, John. Uh, yes, that's where that, that name came from. I knew that. <laughs> Sorry, like I couldn't remember. Rebecca, resist. the triangle below yes. canal. Okay, yes. I got that. It's an interesting neighborhood. It's a fun neighborhood. Let's start off by telling people where it's at exactly. Right. So Soho would be delineated by Houston Street on the north, and then on the eastern portion of Soho, the Bowery. And then on the southern portion of Soho, the cutoff would be Canal Street. And then on the western side, this is where we argued before the show. I would have said it's far over as far as Hudson Street goes. But then you had made a, a really relevant, somewhat wrong, but relevant um, <laughs> critique that Soho goes all the way over to the river because Hudson Square does not, Hudson Square does not yet have a delineation as a neighborhood. Okay, yes, in my defense, Hudson Square is not a delineated neighborhood yet. So like, you, you, if you you can type in Hudson Square and perhaps it's Googleable, but, but it's like not one of the, you know? I'm in the know, man, I'm in the know. So the bordering neighborhoods and the nearby neighborhoods would be Nolita, Lower East Side, Chinatown, um, Tribeca, and then Hudson Square, or so, even though it's Soho, West Village, Greenwich Village, even a little bit of the East Village nearby, and I think that's it. That's where it is. Sandwiched down there, this little tiny, little 
Yeah, it's a little sliver of a neighborhood. Uh, really, neighborhood. It's, it's what? It's like six blocks north to south. So tell us a little bit more about the history and the culture. Well, what's interesting about Soho in the architecture side of it is that there, there are all these um, old textile buildings, uh, warehouse style buildings, cast iron buildings, we call them. And they have like the, the columns in the front and extra high ceilings. They're the old loft style buildings, lots uh, very similar to what we see in Tribeca, the Tribeca neighborhood. Um, and traditionally, it, it, it was exactly that. It was manufacturing, it was um, uh, warehousing, et cetera. And then in the 1960s, after those industries sort of moved out of the neighborhood, what moved in were a lot of artists. And, and frankly, a lot of squatters moved into that area because it was a fairly desolate area. It wasn't a good and, area. And a lot of uh, artists moved in there and had their, you know, big art studios and just these big open empty spaces where they had their, their art studios and such. Um, so since uh, it, it now has become such a, a very expensive for on the real estate side, um, it has become known really for a shopping destination. So you have all these very high end uh, retail stores and lots of restaurants. So it's got, it, it's an interesting mix of commercial and residential. There's been some new developments down there, which we'll talk about. Um, and it's, it's a very vibrant neighborhood. And it's, it's funny, what I always find interesting about Soho is that you can turn the corner and, and the foot traffic just totally disappears. And there's, there's, so there's very quiet blocks and then there's like insanely busy blocks where you have all the tourists walking around to the stores and such. Um, but really beautiful buildings. The cast iron, I've always been a big fan of the cast iron looking buildings, massive windows, beautiful yeah. facades. Uh, they're all, you know, maybe six stories at most in, mo in most cases. Um, but you have, you know, in, in many cases, 14 foot ceilings on the second floor, and then it gets a little bit shorter, the higher you go up, but 10 foot plus, uh, no doubt. So beautiful. Beautiful, lots of mixture of co-ops and condos, but a lot of old co-ops in the area. And you what still you do have a few holdover uh, artist lofts and such that are sort of- What are they called, those buildings? The artists in residence buildings, AIR. Um, they're going out of style, but they're, but they're still classified as AIR buildings, which technically from my understanding, and it's been a while since I've dealt with them, um, but the artists and residence buildings say you actually sign a document um, when you go to closing that says, I, uh, I make my money as an artist. And there's a waiver out there from the city that says, okay, that's, it, the law is still there, but, but you know, basically all these buildings don't abide by it. So is there a real inherent risk there that, that the city's going to come in and check to see if you make your money as an artist? No, I think the risk is extremely low that anything like that would happen. But it is certainly one of those quirky things about the neighborhood are those artists and AIR buildings. Wouldn't you say that Soho is one of those neighborhoods where in the past, let's say 15 years, a tremendous amount of development has happened. So they not only rehab the existing pre-war buildings, those manufacturing buildings like you discussed, but then they have also found pockets where new buildings can go up and yeah, I mean, uh, they just can't be they can't really build too much anymore, yeah. anymore down there 
that's the thing. It's not like Chelsea in the early 2000s when Chelsea had all this undeveloped, not undeveloped, totally undeveloped land, but there were a lot of just old junky warehouse buildings and stuff and easily um, uh, uh, combined lots that allowed them to build these, uh, be, build these new developments and such. In Soho, you have more the low-rise landmarked buildings where you, you can only do so much. There were a few pockets, like you said, that where they were able to build a little bit bigger buildings, but there's still a lot of limitations um, just yeah. with landmarks and such where they didn't want 60-story you know, buildings. So you have like 40 Mercer, which was a, the Jean Nouvel, um, which it feels like when you're in it, it feels like a, uh, like a, a, a swanky hotel, even the, even the hallways. Yeah. That's what I, you know, they're very dark. At least they were the last time I was in there. Which, oh yes, that's right. They were very dark. Yeah. I'm sure they're still um, dark. So th there's lots of, a lot of conversions down there uh, where these developers went in and there's a couple buildings where they actually dug down and uh, I can't remember the one that was on Broom, I think, but they, where they dug down, there was a whole apartment that was completely below grade. It was very interesting. I showed it to somebody mm. once. Um, so they did all sorts of interesting things to try to eke out as much square footage because they couldn't go up, uh, basically. So, you know, because Soho has been so developed in the central area that that's where Hudson Square, you know, that far west corridor of Soho became more developed and they had to go west and they had to go east. So even now on Mulberry and, um, uh, you know, like Crosby has had all sorts of newer developments that have gone up over the years. Um, and as you said, it's some of the priciest real estate, definitely downtown. Uh, yeah. But, you know, some of the real estate will rival the Upper East Side. You know, yeah. On park and and on some quirky Avenue. spaces. I mean, I remember you and I sold uh, the apartment where you took the elevator to the top floor and then you had to walk up a flight to get to the yeah. apartment. Yeah, um, and then it had a roof terrace on it with one of those stairway things that you... It was you a drop, know, drop uh, ladder. Yeah, drop yeah. stairway out of it. So, and they bought that and sold it again. When one thinks of Soho... You know, it's, you know, we can talk, you know, who, who it attracts, it attracts uh, people. Young, sexy now. people. Yeah, it'll look Lots of models. The actors. Models Lots of actors. actors. But, uh, but I represented a doctor, a cancer doctor, two years ago, who said to me, hey, John, I'm looking on the Upper East Side. He's like, you know what? Let me go down to Soho. I've always wanted to live in a Soho loft. And that's what he does. And we found him an incredible loft on Broom Street. And he is very, very happy there. This guy's got a great apartment. Our clients, um, if they're listening to this, the clients that we've sold in Soho, they're going to be so happy when they hear I just called them young and sexy. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but we also would not recommend, you know, there are no schools. Public schools are not in Soho. But you have a lot of public schools in the general area outside of Soho. But you have private schools down there as well. Yeah, it's not, it's not something that we... It's not usually part of the, the discussion when somebody says they want to live in Soho. A lot of pied-à-terre owners, because of the, uh, the nightlife and the, the busyness of it um, and the shopping, you know, it's a great place to come in, pop in, and really get uh, sort of an interesting piece of New York out your front door, as opposed to a more laid-back, 
um, you know, Upper East Side, Second Avenue sort of, uh, or, or, you know, far Upper East Side where it's more neighborhoody or whatever. And you have all the services, you've got, you know, lots of commercial space on those ground floors throughout the neighborhood um, and some great restaurants. Uh, but those stores really drive it. You mentioned nightlife, which would include restaurants. You mentioned, um, you mentioned uh, shopping. Mm -hmm. And the third thing that is art. So the yeah. art galleries down there, yeah. which are prevalent. So those, and then, you know, you have a tremendous tourist uh, business. And a few there. bakeries even, John, which I'm sure you can mention a few. There are, I would not call Soho the bakery capital. I would call the boulangerie at Balthazar is quite something. Balthazar is like a, uh, a, a landmark restaurant down there that, you know, I, frankly, I don't know if I've ever actually been there. I might have serious? gone there. Yeah, I, maybe once, but it was years ago, you know? Yeah. When Balthazar opened, I was the concierge at the Royalton Hotel on 44th Street. And Balthazar was the hardest restaurant to get people into, period. Really? So I would have to call the month before. It was, you couldn't ever... You just, it was nothing like it. You had a call. I had a call one month, 30 days before, and I would book tables out for New Year's Eve. And I'm not afraid to say this. I would start booking tables a month before for New Year's Eve. And Mr. and Mrs. Conlin, I'd have like fake names because I had people would, who would come in on December 31st and say, hi, we want to go to Balthasar. And I'd be like thinking in my brain, are you crazy? But I would be able to say, I'd say, okay, you're going to go to Balthasar at eight o'clock. <laughs> really? You're the the best yes but you have to be mr white <laughs> you know mr and mrs white okay an adult and you gotta you gotta lie well the only one that i'm gonna mention that i've been to a few times that's now closed which really disappointed me it's permanently closed was a little place a little hole in the wall called Miladies, which had the best burger <laughs> and you know who introduced me to it was uh, uh the clients that bought at 140 thompson um lovely lovely couple um, and, uh, it, it, they just had the best burgers. I had since then one of my best friends, uh, knew about it as well, just at, by happenstance. He was like, Hey, have you ever had a burger here? And I was like, yeah, actually I have. It's amazing. So we went uh, a couple other times. It became one of our, one of our spots, but that's, that's gone. And frankly, <laughs> I gotta say, yes, I've been in New York for 20 years but I don't go to dine in Soho. You know, for me, it's kind of like, it, it's a little, it does have, um, because of all the tourists and such and the, the busyness there, um, I don't dine a lot there. Mm -hmm. You obviously, you have your finger on the pulse because of even from, and still amazes me to this day, like the restaurants that you remember from what? Years 20, ago, 20 something 20 years, some ago. years ago. Uh, but 24, 25 years ago, yes. Because that's where I had to I had to learn them. And when Mercer Hotel was built, the Mercer Kitchen still is a very, very successful restaurant. And then you have Balthazar still around. Um, there's my favorite is Raul's. That's lovely. Coco Pazzo's down there. You know, like when we've taken people out when it was a thing, when we could take clients out for a celebratory dinner. Um, 
you know, they would ask like, oh, do you bring clients here all the time? It's like, no, the be- one of the beautiful things about New York City is you can, every night of the year, you could pick a new great restaurant to go and try. You know, there's just an yeah, unending number. So New York. Uh, dining in general or food in general is not what people think of when they think of Soho. A lot of people, their mind goes to a couple of things. One is the demographic of, of movie stars and stuff. Like there's a, there's like this, kind of like Tribeca where there's there's a little bit of an aura around Soho and like thinking about movie stars walking down the street um, even though that's not necessarily the case but um, but they think of the shopping so they you have all these uh, you know uh, old iconic um, designer stores and such like Alexander Wang or Prada uh, you have all of the um, like more a little bit more boutique like rag and bone even though it's it's a sizable thing but it's I don't know, maybe it's just a New York thing. I'm not a big shopper either. So, uh, you know, but there's um, there's a lot of those stores, St. Laurent, that, that, that really attract people there because you can go to all these little shops um, that are well-known in the fashion community and, and such all in one little strip. Um, there are also some museums and, and as you, but as you mentioned, art galleries, lots of little art galleries um, plunked through there. But one thing that's sort of, you know, the, has not only pushed out the artists, but the artist art galleries as well. Uh, and now you see a, a big uh, push for art galleries, like in far West Chelsea and such, because rent has just gone through the roof for those commercial spaces. And also, it's not a real parky kind of a place. So there's not a lot of green. Is space there a park? There. I don't know if there is a park. There's, in Soho. there's, there's Soho a Square Park. And the, but the nearest is the nearest big park is going to be Washington Square. One thing that we have not mentioned though, inter, inter, intermixed between the um, the old cast iron buildings, the old manufacturing buildings, and then the newer buildings is the hotel industry. And so you have Soho, uh, the Soho Grand down there, the Crosby Street Hotel, Mercer Street, Mercer Hotel. One last thing is that it happens to be extremely conveniently located where all of the train lines go through Soho. So we're forgetting one thing we got to talk about, which is the real estate down there. Uh, we, we, I mentioned it, obviously there's a lot of cast iron buildings, which are, you know, so there's a, a, a similar look throughout, but then you have uh, like 40 Mercer, which is the, uh, the Jean Nouvelle building that was done maybe 10, 12, 15 years ago now. It's I think, I think God, now it's an old building. Um, but it's, it's like a, feels like a hotel, like a swanky hotel and you come out of the elevators and everything's dark and like, there, there might as well be like some music going on or whatever and some lasers, but, um, but it's a nice building, nice apartments and such. Uh, and then you have the old, uh, Singer building, uh, the Singer sewing factory, I think it was, um, which is sort of a, a quirky, has some quirky layouts in it and stuff. It's an old co-op. Um, but a beautiful building on the outside that's right on Broadway. There's 210 Lafayette, 225 Lafayette. Um, uh, police building. The police building. But then there's also in along Crosby Street, where many years ago I sold at 30 Crosby, which is still one of my favorite buildings down there with those, those big lofts that have the, the wooden pillars and they're like 4,000 feet. One of the sort of interesting points about the real estate down there is there are some of these older co-ops that are these many times they're full floor 
units. And, and sometimes, I mean, it, most, I would say, uh, the highest number of times I've seen where the co-op actually owns that ground floor commercial space. And I've seen buildings where you actually pay no maintenance because the oh, rent that they collect on that ground floor space pays for all the expenses. Makes it a little challenging to sort of value those apartments. How do you, you know, you're, you're actually making money on a, on a monthly basis living in one of those. And they still are few and far between because a lot of times those were owned separately by somebody else, uh, perhaps the original developer. But, um, but I actually have seen a number of them down there where there are five unit co-ops and on the ground floor, they've got a, an art gallery or uh, some store or something in there. It's owned by the co-op. What a fantastic, fantastic cash way cow. to... Yeah, it's a cash cow. That's and for then sure. The, then I'm sure you've seen the buildings where they have the manual elevators. Yeah. Yes, there are still a few of those there. And I or where they shoved here. an elevator. There was never an elevator before. And now you walk, you're walking into the store and there's an elevator on the side. And <laughs> it was just added and they lost a whole row of windows, but they wanted an elevator. And I think it was at the end of the day, it was a smart choice, but uh, for value wise, but uh, just quirky things. And that's what you get in a New York City neighborhood where the infrastructure is there and you and the and the laws are in place where you, you can't change it. Um, you know, that's just a that's just a product of that of, of that type of neighborhood, that type of uh, uh, location. The challenge, the challenge is that you've got these great buildings and your front windows are super and then the back windows are all dark because you face the back of the building. So you have to be careful. So like you were saying, the higher up that you go to get a view in Soho, you're paying big bucks to get the view and outdoor space in Soho yeah. would command huge premiums. Not um, a lot Mercer, of gardens in Soho. Mercer Street. There aren't a lot of gardens, but you have Green Street, you have... Um, but the backs of those buildings are many times only 15 feet from the from each other. So, no, I think, listen, Soho is one of those ever-changing neighborhoods uh, in terms of, uh, well, much like New York in general. It's, it's always a, an amoeba. It always changes. But I think it's always going to remain... Uh, a, a young sort of vibrant neighborhood, especially neighborhood. because of all of those uh, storefronts, et cetera. It is fun to walk around down there um, and to, you see, you get lots of, you know, interesting characters wandering around and such. And uh, I love it. I would never want to live there. Yeah. Well, I love it. I, I do. I enjoy it. Like you're saying, it's a lot of fun to visit, but then it's a lot of fun to go home and it's that yeah. funny i live in manhattan on the upper west side it's like i really love to visit but i like to get out because it's so busy you know yeah. like you said it's very vibrant yeah so anyway listen great chatting with you i'm i'm thrilled to have you back little jonathan's back and uh, with that thank you all Did for you just call me little watching. jonathan <laughs> i just thought so because you're you're i've never called you little jonathan considering the fact that you're much taller than i am but I and thought it I thought it was apropos because you're younger than me. So you're like my little brother. Know, so with you that, like thank life. you all for watching the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. It was a really great, great, great day, great week. And uh, we're busy, so that's good. We're moving into the new year, to a new uh, first quarter. And um, wonderful to see you. So have a great week, everybody. Everybody stay okay. safe, stay healthy. 
and, and remain in gratitude. See you next week. Thanks for watching or listening to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. If you want to find us online or sign up to get our monthly and quarterly market stats, come on over to our website, johnandjonathansellnyc.com, or you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and everywhere else with the handle at johnandjonathansellnyc. And if you want to grab the show notes, just go to johnandjonathansellnyc.com slash podcast. If this show was entertaining, helpful, or informative, consider telling friends and family or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those are some of the best ways of supporting our efforts, and we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in. We can't wait to share what's coming up next. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time.